Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. I'm Cody Goff. Today, you'll learn about how plants could help us solve the superbug crisis with renowned medical ethnobotanist, Dr. Cassandra Quave. You'll also learn about how Japanese engineers achieved a ridiculously fast world record for internet speed. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Medicines don't just come from laboratories, and that includes some of the best medicines. Plants are the basis for a lot of life-saving and health-improving medicines. And in fact, new medicinal plants could help us save millions of lives every year by helping us fight the superbug crisis. See, right now, antibiotic-resistant microbes cause untreatable infections that lead to the loss of 700,000 lives every year. And that number is projected to increase to 10 million a year by 2050. And today's guest is a leading medical ethnobotanist who's working on ways to stop this from happening. Dr. Cassandra Quave is on a quest to find nature's next medicines. And she's doing that by working with researchers around the world on figuring out how certain plants fight infections and which of their compounds could be used in new treatments. I interviewed her with my esteemed colleague, Ashley Hamer, and I kicked off our conversation by admitting that I thought we made medicines in the lab. So I had to ask, why is nature the best place to look for medicines? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's it's fascinating because so many of our current medicines were originally discovered in nature. We make them in factories today, but the chemical blueprints in many cases came from nature. So, I mean, I'm talking about drugs for pain, like aspirin or products of opium, you know, morphine, codeine. We're talking about cancer, um, taxol, etoposide, all these, you know, amazing drugs that, that are still used today to treat patients, you know, infection malaria, heart disease. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's like, but we've kind of forgotten. We've forgotten the fact that these actually were first discovered in plants. And the crazy thing is we have around 33,000 plants on earth that um, are used in traditional medicine, but scientists have only really looked at in depth at a few hundred of those. And so, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of work that we need to be doing. And so that's like, hey, we need, we need more people on this team to start investigating these species. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, if if so many of the drugs we used originally came from plants, why aren't we looking at more plants? What what is there an objection to that? Well, there are some different challenges, you can say. So there's a lot of misconceptions around plants. Obviously, plants are also, you know, you have kind of the ones that are marketed as supplements and there can kind of sometimes be, you know, marketing for claims that aren't always based in science. Um, <laughs> and on the other hand, when it does come to science, you know, plants are really incredibly chemically complex. So modern medicine works by taking single compound drug, hitting like a single pathway in the body, whereas plants and nature in general often works by having many compounds that work together in unison as a kind of synergy to attack these issues. And that's really difficult to study in a laboratory setting. It sounds like there's a lot of opportunities. So you, you traveled around the world uh, basically looking for plants. Was there something specific you were looking for? Or were you just following certain leads? Like, what was your approach? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I guess lead is a, is a good a good word for it because we're, we're taking a very targeted approach. So I'm very interested in plants that people use for infectious and inflammatory disease. So I do a lot of primary interviews. So working with people that use plants as medicine, by the way, billions with a B of people around the globe actually turn to plants as their primary form of medicine instead of going to the pharmacy. I think we also, like, there's not an awareness of this, I think, among the general public. But yeah, for everything from headaches, to stomach aches to whatever, skin infections, they turn to the natural world because in many cases due to lack of access to, to Western medicines. Um, and so we're, I'm interviewing these people. We're talking about the types of things that they use. And this is all done, obviously, under strict measures of of ethics and informed consent, and we have agreements in place with places where we work and with with other local scientists as well. And we bring those back to the lab and, and study with the goal of trying to understand, you know, how do these plants work? Are they safe? Do they work against these infections? And which compounds are responsible for those activities? Gosh, that's really exciting. Yeah. Can you can you explain to me just this is like a very basic definition question, but because what what you mentioned in the beginning was that some of our medicines used to come from plants and now they're made in a lab. Does that mean that they are synthetic at this point or are we still using the same molecules like yeah that's a great question i think it all comes down to like where you source the material i'll give you an example um everyone that's listening is probably familiar with um, vanilla extract and artificial vanilla extract so if you've ever had real vanilla pod vanilla extract the vanillin comes across that's the compound responsible for the flavor and that's the compound you find in artificial vanilla extract. But if you compare those head to head, you'll notice that the one that has actual vanilla pod in it, which is an orchid, by the way, amazing, the flavor, the aroma, the taste, the smell is so much, has so much more depth. And that's because there are many more compounds besides the vanillin in that particular extract, right? And so, but the reality is too, the artificial vanillin, the chemical structure that's been synthesized or derived from other sources is the same as the one you find in the plant. So the chemical blueprints are the same, but you have this richness of flavor because of all the other compounds that are found naturally in the plant. Got it. So in medicines, if you're taking the whole plant, you're getting a lot of different compounds. But if you just take the one drug that we've used, we're, we're just using the one molecule. Exactly. And, you know, there are challenges with that. I mean, if we think about malaria, you know, the Nobel Prize in Medicine or Physiology was awarded a number of years ago to Dr. Yu, too, who found... Um, artemisinin from the sweet wormwood plant in China. There's a whole other cool story behind that, by the way. She like went back to these ancient Chinese texts and 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 read that they did a cold water extraction instead of boiling it and because they had problems getting enough of the compound. And she went back to like the centuries old version of how to make it and got like tons of the compound. And that's one of the reasons she won the Nobel Prize, which was, you know, amazing. But artemisinin on its own, you know, is an amazing antimalarial, but there's now widespread antimalarial resistance to it. Whereas others have studied the whole plant and found that that can overcome resistance. And it's because of all those other compounds present in the plant. So, you know, we see this also with antibiotic resistance. When you put that direct selective pressure on an organism that's trying to kill with one compound, 
you know, organisms, they evolve and they can maybe switch something up and, and evade that compound. But when you hit them with a whole slew of things that are naturally found in the plant, I think that's where we can really have some promise. And, you know, some of our best medicines for cancer, for um, HIV even, are poly medicines. They're, they're multiple compounds that are used together as kind of a, a polypharmacology. Um, and I think that's where we need to go. And I think we can be inspired by plants. So yeah, coming up with new medicines isn't just about finding a single molecule. There's a lot of work to be done. And fortunately, researchers like Dr. Cassandra Quave are on the case. If you want to learn more about her work, then you can pick up her new book, The Plant Hunter, A Scientist's Quest for Nature's New Medicines. It's really kind of a memoir that weaves together science and botany to tell her story. And she talks about her travels by canoe, ATV, mule, airboat, and on foot to do field research in jungles and mountains and volcanic islands. And it's a very personal story because Dr. Quave was born with multiple congenital defects of her skeletal system, which is why she's done all of this work with just one leg. Yeah, I know. And here's my mandatory disclaimer that she did not pay us to appear on Curiosity Daily. We just got in touch with her because this book is an educational and very inspirational story. So feel free to check out The Plant Hunter using the link in today's show notes. Have you ever been frustrated by internet lag while playing your favorite online video game or streaming a new movie? That won't be a problem for a research team in Japan because they've just broken the record for the fastest internet speed ever recorded at 319 terabits per second. With an internet speed that fast, you'd be able to download 80,000 movies in one second. And if you have a lot of time on your hands, well, according to the Internet Movie Database, IMDb, from the year 1880 to today, there have been about 589,000 theatrical movies and 133,000 TV movies. And that means you'd be able to download every movie ever made in less than 10 seconds. So before I talk about when this technology is coming to your neighborhood, let's talk about how they made it happen. Well, in order to transfer data that fast, the research team had to create a new kind of cable. Typical fiber optic cable has a core surrounded by what's called cladding. The cladding has a different refractive index compared to the core. That means that light waves bounce off the cladding and stay in the core of the cable. The optical cable for this new record had four cores instead of just one. They also made additional upgrades to the setup. They outfitted the cable with a laser that pulsed at various wavelengths and a series of amplifiers made from rare earth elements, erbium and thulium, to make the signal travel farther faster. And it resulted in a breakneck speed that's about 7.6 million times faster than your internet speed at home. Most of the time, it's hard to maintain a high speed of transmission over long distances. And that's because the signal can degrade and the light can escape ever so slightly as it bounces around between the core and the cladding. But this research team was on it. Using this new method, they successfully transferred the data over 3,000 kilometers with no reduction in quality. The previous record was just under 200 terabits per second over a distance of 2,000 kilometers in August 2020. 
The cable they used was about the same size as those that deliver fiber optic internet now, a tiny 0.125 millimeters. That means that it could be integrated into our existing internet infrastructure with a few adjustments. So, super-fast internet could be on its way in the not-so-distant future. If only internet service providers could upgrade their systems as fast as those download speeds. Let's wrap up by recapping what we learned today, starting with the fact that according to Dr. Cassandra Quave, nature is the best place to look for medicines because that's where we found the chemical blueprints for most of the current medicines we use today. Drugs for treating everything from pain to heart disease to cancer. And we use about 33,000 plants around the world in medicine. But scientists have really only taken an in-depth look at a few hundred of them. That's partly because plants are actually really hard to study in a laboratory setting because they're incredibly complex. Billions of people around the world use plants rather than go to their local pharmacy to treat problems for everything from headaches to skin infections. And researchers like Leah and her colleagues are working with communities around the world to learn more about those treatments. For me, the best example of a plant I like to use semi-regularly for medicinal purposes, ginger. A little ginger tea, even just boil some water and pour it over some ginger. I'm telling you, virtually no better way to settle your stomach. Well, that and maybe some carbonated water, but I'm not so much into that. And ginger ale? Not a bad mixer either, though that's not really in the medicine category. So let's move on. We also learned that engineers in Japan achieved a record-breaking internet speed of 319 terabytes per second. That's double the previous world record and about 7.6 million times faster than the average home internet speed in the U.S. To achieve this speed, researchers developed an experimental optical fiber with four cores instead of one, and then combined their fiber with a laser, pew, 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 that fired pulses at different wavelengths and multiple signal amplification techniques. Fun fact, the average episode of Curiosity Daily would take about three ten millionths of a second to download at that speed. And since we've released more than a thousand episodes, it would take about, let's see, carry the one. Yeah, it would take about three one hundred thousandths of a second to download all of our episodes ever made. Oh, I gotta say, I just, I feel like everybody's internet would be fast enough if web developers would stop making websites so much more complicated as speeds and technology scales, right? Like if I have eight gigabytes of RAM on my computer and I have gigabyte internet, then I can load a website from the 90s in like a quarter of a second or something, you know, super, super short. But then websites add all this extra script and all these features and like visualizations and infinite scrolls and ad technology is loading from other sites and all that stuff. And it's, it's just like, ugh. and look, if you're listening and you're a web developer, I get it. I know that these things are necessary and that websites need to call up like ads from different servers and things like that. Like I get how the Internet works. But it's just kind of funny. It's like how work scales with technology, right? It's like, okay, well, in the 60s and 70s, a lot of people were doing their jobs without computers. And then you get computers and you get these new machines that help you do things like 10 times as fast, but you're still working 40 hours a week at the office. And it's just like, why can't I? Here's what I think. I mean, the roadmap for civilization would be that anytime something is made easier, you just get that time back. Can we just all, can't we just all as a society agree on that? Can't we just do that? I understand that doesn't really scale down for a lot of jobs, especially those involving other human beings, but I'm just saying. 
Why is the big winner, anytime there's a big technological innovation that makes our jobs easier, why is the big winner always like GDP and not how much vacation time I get or like how much time I get to spend with my family? You know? Oh, well. One thing I do know for sure, though, is that an internet speed this fast is a double-edged sword for gamers. Because if you're transmitting at 319 terabits per second, you do not have an excuse that lag is the reason you missed that shot in Call of Duty or Halo. You know what I mean? Like, mm, sorry, can't hide behind that one anymore. Try again. I guess at that point you just blame it on the hardware or like a power surge or something. But no, you're going to run out of excuses, fellow gamers. We're all now doomed to face our actual skill levels and just really own it. Yeah, I missed that shot. I'm bad. <laughs> the writer for today's world record internet speed story was Brianna Brownell. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Cody Goff. Curiosity Daily is distributed by Discovery. Speaking of plants in the internet, you know how trees get Wi-Fi? They log on. So make like a tree and log on so you can join me again next time to learn something new in just a few minutes. Until then, stay curious. <laughs>